What a week, Joplin. Hello, and welcome to the Joplin Globe's Weekly Recap Podcast. I'm digital editor Joe Hadsel, and this week we'll review the biggest local news stories from across the region last week. After that, I'd like to share some thoughts and memories about Neil Peart, the legendary drummer virtuoso of the band Rush, who died Friday. So, with that, let's get started. It's Sunday, January 12, and here's what happened last week. Only one license application with a Joplin area address was approved Friday as the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services announced the 86 total licenses it would approve for operations to make medical marijuana-infused products. Harvest of Missouri, LLC, located at 12785 East 32nd Street in Joplin, was approved for a manufacturing license. According to the license application, according to the license application for Harvest of Missouri, the owner or manager is Steve White of Arizona. White is the chief executive officer of Harvest Health and Recreation, which has its headquarters in Arizona. The company anticipates having rights to operate in more cannabis facilities and with more licenses than any other company in the U.S., including more than 210 facilities across 18 states and territories. Eleven applications from other businesses in Joplin, Carthage, Neosho, Sarcoxy, Aurora, Lamar, Monette, and Pierce City were all rejected. The Neosho School District will ask voters on April 7th to authorize an almost 12% increase into the levy to pay for a package that includes teacher pay and capital projects. With a unanimous vote, board members approved ballot language Wednesday during a special meeting that asks for a 39-cent increase to the district's levy. Passage of the measure would allow the district to do two major things— Complete construction of a variety of buildings with an anticipated cost of up to $22 million, including a performing arts center, field house, and locker room renovations at the high school, and safe rooms at Benton Elementary and Neosho Middle Schools and gain money to improve teacher and staff salaries in the future. The district's current levy is set at $3.35 per $100 of assessed valuation. If the measure passes, the levy would increase to $3.74. A Southwest City man, already facing charges, was accused Thursday of possessing the brush truck that the Reddings Mill Fire Protection District reported on Monday as having been stolen along with other equipment. Matthew A. Fisher, 38, faces a charge of first-degree tampering with a motor vehicle filed in Jasper County Circuit Court after his arrest Wednesday by Jasper Police Chief Chad Carr. Carr spotted the truck being driven Wednesday afternoon in the area of County Road 130, south of Jasper. Fisher was taken into custody by Carr after the Reddings Mill truck was abandoned and the driver had run off, authorities said. A state investigator has reported that damage was such in the November fire at Sandstone Gardens that a cause of the blaze could not be determined. Owners Max and Vicki Carr had been unable to determine whether they could re-establish a business at the time of the report, though they told the investigator they would like to if they could. The business, located at 2826 Douglas Fir Road, facing I-44, was considered an area landmark. It sold garden statuary, decor, and gifts, and also featured a restaurant. Designed in the style of a turn-of-the-century estate, the building had 50,000 square feet of floor space and attracted tourists and bus tour groups, as well as retail shoppers. The extent of the November 24th fire damage to the building was such that an investigator with the Missouri Division of Fire Safety could not establish where the fire started or how it started, according to the report of the agency. 
And finally this week, Joplin will host an overnight stop on the 2020 Hemmings Motor News Great Race early this summer, race organizers and the Joplin Convention and Visitors Bureau announced on Monday. The Great Race, the world's premier old car rally, will bring 120 antique automobiles to Joplin, with the first car rolling into downtown starting at 5 p.m. Monday, June 22. It'll be just one stop on the 2,300-mile, 10-state route, which will begin in front of the Alamo in San Antonio on June 20 and will finish in Greenville, South Carolina on June 28. Teams and cars from the U.S., England, Canada, Germany, and Japan will participate in vintage automobiles dating to 1916. And now for our feature. I was a freshman in high school when I bought my first Rush album. It was Hold Your Fire, and I couldn't wait to get it home. In fact, right there outside of Camelot Music in the Battlefield Mall in Springfield, Missouri, I ripped open the cassette case and dived into the liner notes for a clue about what awaited me. The friend with me at the time was kind of puzzled and kind of annoyed. He made fun of the photos of band members Getty Lee, Neil Peart, and Alex Lifeson. Usually my friend held a bit of sway over my opinions because I was kind of a pushover back then, but not this time. I put the cassette back in its case, shoved it in the front pocket of my Levi's jean jacket, and vowed to never mention Rush around him again. See, unlike my friend, I was a drummer, and my drummer friends told me that Peart was the best drummer, period. But my drummer friends didn't play Rush for me. In fact, they gave me precious little direction. So I didn't start out with classics such as 2112 or Hemispheres or Moving Pictures or Signals or even one of the fantastic live albums with Peart's thundering drum solos. I picked the album that was newest at the time. And as it turns out, it marked the end of the band's synthesizer era. See, Rush is a band old enough to have several different eras. I can tell you now that Hold Your Fire, what you're hearing now, is some weak coffee compared to the espresso that represents the songs that made Rush legendary. But this album was the start of a musical journey for me. Peart died Friday at 67 after a three-year battle with brain cancer. Rush has been a band for two years longer than my entire life. That's the sort of longevity the Canadian trio had. I don't need to tell you how legendary he was for his virtuosic playing or his visionary lyrics. A bunch of music experts can tell you all about that. I want to tell you what Peart meant to me. See, Rush albums have been a soundtrack in every major chapter in my life. There's not a year when I haven't been discovering new Rush music, no matter how old it is. But none of those years have been more formative than those first years, as I grew into learning how to be a musician. As my sister blasted power ballads from her beloved record company-assembled hairbands, I blasted Rush out of my speakers and played along best I could on my meager four-piece drum set with no cymbals, just a cowbell. 
I spent three years in the marching band at Kickapoo High School, in the drum line, of course. Band trips were opportunities for us to trade rush tapes back and forth, listening to his wizardry and wondering he, how he pulled off the fills in our favorite songs. But my greatest musical friend, well, my greatest friend, period, wasn't even in marching band at the time. Terry and I shared a French class, and I found out he was a keyboard player, and of course, a Rush fan. It was the start of a friendship that made high school worth the struggle. Terry and I grew up as musicians together. He was there when I got my first real drum set with real cymbals. I was there when he got his first Roland synthesizer and a Takamine acoustic guitar. We listened to all sorts of other bands, of course, including plenty of prog rock and classic rock, but Rush was never far away. See, Terry taught me an important lesson about the incredible lyrics that Peart wrote. Each song contained at least two awesome band names. I introduced him to some of my band and orchestra friends, and a few of us pulled up to start our own bands. Terry had some original songs that we brought to life. We took three separate bands to different school-organized talent shows, always with different names, including Phantom Fears. One of those bands was particularly amazing. Our guitarist, Brian, had the same kind of Yamaha drum set as I did. So we put them together in a double bass drum set worthy of the 70s rock gods who created them. We played this song, Tom Sawyer, for the crowd that night, and we killed it. I can't tell you how long I practiced playing Peart's score, note for note. The fills aren't actually the hardest part in this song. I mean, they are hard, don't get me wrong. They require some precision double bass work with fast uh, double strokes on the cymbals at the same time as you're doing double bass. But the hard part is actually the entire song. That right-hand hi-hat wears you down before you even get a chance to play those fills. I tell you what, my right forearm was bigger than my left forearm for years after that show. I kid you not. As they say, life goes on. Terry and I shared an apartment for a few months. Then he enlisted. I got lost in work, and I drifted away from college for a few years. Eventually, I went back to school, and then Terry came back. This time, he moved into the apartment next to mine. We played a few gigs at a nearby bar. As I was cutting my teeth in journalism with 417 Magazine, he worked for the same company as an internet tech. He was the director of I Can't Print. He got the calls from salespeople who couldn't figure out how to work the printer. As they say, life goes on. I moved to Nixa, then Joplin. He got married, I got married. We hadn't seen each other in years, but in 2011, he came to Joplin twice after the tornado. Once to help me salvage wreckage from my old house, and once more to help move some of that salvage into our new house. He gave me what he said would become my favorite pair of socks, and man, he was right. Those wigwam socks were amazing and turned me into a sock snob. I wore holes in them, and I never could find the exact match. If you thought this story was going to be a rehash of Peart's life and career, you're probably figuring out by now that it's not. Many stories about his amazing career and struggles with life have already been told, and will continue to be told. But this is a story about Peart. After I read the news of Peart's death Friday, I remembered a column I'd written in 2015 about how the band played in Kansas City during a farewell tour, but I couldn't go and that was probably my last chance to ever see Rush live. I know, what kind of Rush fan am I, having never seen a concert? 
I just never made it. Peart's death turned that possibility of never into a certainty. But what a selfish way to think about the death of an influential musical legend. His family and his bandmates are mourning, and the only thing I can think about is how I missed my shot to hear a Peart drum solo in person. Is my sadness really rooted in my missed opportunity? Celebrity deaths are odd things. They pair sadness for the end of an artistic expression with our memories of how that expression affected our lives. Peart had no idea that I, Joe Hadsell, existed. He had no clue how his drumming fueled my passion to drum, how his lyrics influenced my thoughts and philosophies, especially about free will, and how the band's songcrafting woke me up to what music could be. If I died, he wouldn't have felt lost like I did Friday. So, yes, no matter how selfish it is, I am sad I missed that opportunity. Even more so, I'm sad that I never got the chance to tell Peart thank you for myself. I'm a journalist. I know how to reach out and contact musicians for interviews. I don't mind telling a source that I interview thank you for their artistic contributions. And I'd like to think that I have the presence of mind that no matter who is standing in front of me, I can resist geeking out long enough to say thank you for what you made. So folks, if I can't tell him, I'll tell you. I'm filled with gratitude for the band's music, every note he played, and every word he wrote. I'm grateful for how their songs influenced everything, from my pursuit of learning how to play a double bass drum set, to being able to handle the struggles of life. The song Subdivisions helped me deal with high school, and now that I'm older, that song helps me deal with everything else. The song Stick It Out got me away from a bad relationship. We've already talked about the song Tom Sawyer. It helped me improve my drumming and taught me the importance of endurance. The song Jacob's Ladder also improved my drumming and helped me learn to read music better. The song Red Barchetta helped me improve my drumming even more, yet taught me that my left foot will always be a stupid, talentless gimp. The song Emotion Detector taught me that sometimes people are not ready to hear my honest feelings. It also taught me that Rush lyrics are not always the best thing to write in a love note to your high school girlfriend. The song Faithless helped me get a grasp of the power of religion and all it does for humanity, good and bad. It also helps me reconcile my own struggle and victory with spiritual matters. The song Roll the Bones taught me a lot about the radio business. The song Spirit of Radio only confirmed what Roll of the Bones taught me. The song La Via Strangiato helped me learn to feel music, how to let it get into my heart and mind. The song Armor and Sword helped me find beauty in ugly, purpose in senseless. Seriously, that song squeezes all the bad out of my soul like a massage. And the song Mission? Oh man, I don't even know where to start. That was the song during my first listen-through of my first Rush album that woke me up to everything Rush had to offer. The combination of some amazing solo work and a 5-4 time signature and a soaring, hopeful message of finding a purpose enervated me. Back in high school, it gave me the first feeling of pursuing a dream, finding a purpose, 
Later in life, it would pick me up and dust me off when I lost direction. That song actually helped me stand up to an AP English teacher who insisted that there was nothing positive to be found in the book of Mice and Men. He insisted that that book's theme was about loneliness, and that's what we should write about in an in-class essay, timed, of course. Me? I went with dream chasing and how that kept Lenny and George going. I spent precious in-class minutes furiously scrawling out the lyrics to Mission. Hold your fire. Keep it burning bright. Hold the flame till the dream ignites. A spirit with a vision is a dream with a mission. I got a B plus. I'm crushed that Peart will never offer his vision to us again. But the only beat that stopped was his heartbeat. The beats of life I lived, the friends I made, all with Rush playing in the background, will endure long after my arms get tired from playing them. A few hours after Peart's death, a text popped up on my phone. It was Terry. I hadn't seen that dude in more than three years. He was checking in on me. I told him that I'd been flooded with amazing memories of our friendship, thanks to Peart. He said he was going to learn closer to the heart. I can't wait to hear his rendition. And that will do it for this week's episode of What a Week, Joplin. Keep an eye on JoplinGlobe.com or our daily print editions for much more coverage of local, state, and national news, and much, much more. The Rush songs featured in this podcast include Mission from Hold Your Fire, released in 1987 by Mercury, Tom Sawyer from Moving Pictures, released in 1981 by Mercury, and Armor and Sword from Snakes and Arrows, released in 2007 by Atlantic, and they are used here with great appreciation and gratitude. Comments? Questions? Favorite Rush song? Send them to me at jhadsel at joplinglobe.com or tweet me at joehadsel. From all of us at The Globe, we hope you have a wonderful week.